is going to win college football's major awards, what newcomers are going to make the biggest impact, and my favorite storylines going into this 2023 season. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kid folk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we're going to go through my top five newcomers who are going to make an impact, basically a transfers list this season, but also college football major awards predictions. And let's get started with my favorite storylines going into this season. What am I most excited for? question that was presented to me by producer Tyler ball college ball I am excited for a new adult who wants that smoke I'm talking about an 18 year old dude on television who's like nah I'm, I'm built for this I'm out here to knock people around I'm here for Saturdays man we're gonna have ball on Saturdays again love me some USFL love to cover the sport but damn it this is my lifeblood I love this and you know what we get tomorrow I want you to I want you to tell him put the word out we back up understand we back up even if I got to watch Notre Dame Navy and even if <laughs> even if we're gonna start this year USC San Jose State on Saturday I don't care I will be there I'm fired up next thing I'm really excited about other than the return of ball is Coach Fry Colorado you understand you understand right I have been talking about Coach Prime and Colorado since December 2022, okay? And I've been doing this because you love to hear me talk about Coach Prime and Colorado heading in this 2023 season. But I also think that he's been such a rainmaker. It's a lightning rod. You are separated. He is divisive. Somehow, this offseason has gone unlike any of that I've ever seen for a football coach taking over a program that went 1-11 last year. You have an opinion about Colorado, and they ain't played a damn down of football. <laughs> if you're like me, and you believe it's to the moon and back, if you believe that they are going to be outstanding and great, if you wouldn't be shocked to see them compete and win, for a, win a Pac-12 championship, you're like me. And you're excited for what could happen at Folsom Field this year. Or you could be like some others. Some folks that I don't have to name to you. But you know who I'm talking about when I say they ain't going to be that good. Can't be, it's 3-9, RJ. 3-9. They're not going to be that good. You, you can't put together a roster the way he put together a roster expecting to be that good. Yada, 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 yada. It's real difficult for me to be down on a football program that ain't played no football. As a person that lives and breathes this sport, and I say this often, and I'll say it to you because, well, you hear with me each and every week, we got the longest offseason in sports. The longest. So we can come up with all sorts of ways to talk about Colorado, talk about Coach Prime and what he's done. And I choose to make it about football. I choose to say, why wouldn't a man who has won 27 of the first 33 games he's coached as a head football coach be good at his next spot. Why don't people talk about Colorado the way that they talk about Lance Leipold at Kansas? Nobody said, hey, this ain't Buffalo. Nobody said, hey, this ain't Division Three. 
They said, no, Lance Leipold, that's national championship caliber coach. <laughs> Can't get the same respect for the man that wears a cowboy hat in Boulder, Colorado. Even though, and I'm going to add this, somehow this team that many people think is going to be bad had a player voted onto the first team of the preseason Associated Press All-American. Travis Hunter made the first team as an all-purpose player. Before Travis Hunter changed divisions, the best all-purpose player in the sport for me is at Ohio State, Emeka Ibuka. And you know him because he also was number one at his position coming out in 2021, wide out. Now I got Travis Hunter going both ways. I choose to make it about football. I choose to remind you Shador Sanders has been 70 and eight as a starter. And I got people that want to talk to me about the levels of competition. You know, I live in Oklahoma. We play all the way up to 6A1 and 6A2. Okay, we play eight man round here all the way up. You know what we don't do? We don't disparage people that go win football games. We got a team that I covered that I wrote a really cool piece for me at the Oklahoma back some 12, 14 years ago called Davis. Davis, Oklahoma ran the wishbone, still runs the bone, bona fide bone. The boys don't even look at the ball. They got their heads down looking at the snap count. They ran people down and over. And what do you say? You say, that's a good football team. Those are good football players. They know how to win. When I hear Lincoln Riley say, what do you look for most in a quarterback? It's not arm talent. It's not his understanding of scheme. It's not, hey, is that a head coach on the field? It's, is the guy a winner? Shadour Sanders is a winner. How are you going to add a guy like Charles Kelly to your staff if people still expect you to be bad? I just don't get it. I'm fired up about him. I'm fired up for them. And you know what? We get to know whether or not they're good in two weeks' time. Literally. Not even a week. No. One week's time. That's how close we are. They got to play Texas Christian on big noon. And I've heard people say with a straight face, they would not be shocked to see Texas Christian put up 50 on Colorado. I hate money. I, I, I you, you ride out with that. You, I, I got a little pride to me, and I'm sure they got a little pride to them. Okay. All right. But also, that's a ranked matchup for me, right? You saw, saw that I ranked them number 20 in my preseason poll. Off the strength of, USC was ranked number 14 coming off a four and eight season with new head coach, new quarterback, that sort of thing, right? I gave the three-game cushion for being 111 last year, turnover roster, good head coach, new quarterback, number 20. But somehow that that feels like just the biggest outlier. But we'll get to find out, right? Because that's going to impact my rankings. Somebody's going to move up, somebody's going to move down. Colorado, Texas, Christian, I'm fired up about it. Next thing that I'm going to be watching for, while I can't say it is my favorite storyline, it is going to be the storyline that I am invested in the most when it comes to the Oklahoma Sooners. Is the Oklahoma defense going to be good? Good. It's the kind of defense that I associate with Brent Venables because last year it did not. It, 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 it did not. Not even a little bit, all right? Giving up 30 a game, 461 yards a game, ranking 122nd in total defense, Ranking dead last in pass defense in the Big 12 and ninth out of 10 teams in the Big 12 in rush defense. Brent Venables ain't that coach no defense like that. And I'm taking it all the way back to Oklahoma. Something got to get fixed. Now they brought in some dudes. Brought in some dudes. Desan McCullough's a dude. Jacob Lacey's a dude. Okay. Once they figure out who the corner is going to be on the other side of Woody Washington, they're going to have that locked up too. Billy Bowman can play. I'm expecting great things from him. We'll see. We, we will see just exactly what that defensive line looks like. But, you know, I think they're going to be right at the edge because Ethan Downs is a dude. If they get that defense right, 
if it looks anything like the Brent Venables defense that we saw at Clemson, yeah, they can compete for a Big 12 championship. But you can't compete for no championships, give it up no 461 yards a game. That's how you go 6-7. and seven. That's how you have the first losing season in program history since 1997. The thing at Oklahoma is the standard is winning. That's it. That's all you are really credited for, and that's what we come to expect. I say it often. I'll say it again. It's the pro team in this state. No disrespect to the agricultural and mechanical engineering school in Stillwater, but you know what time it is. That team says Sooners across its chest, and Sooners is what the state is named for. I need y'all to get out there like some land thieves and go empty some pockets, defense. If they're good, then I'm good. Next storyline I'm really interested in also is Oklahoma-related. This is going to be the last year that the Bedlam football game is played for the foreseeable future. Okay? It might be a very, very, very long time before we see Oklahoma and Oklahoma State on a schedule again. And that is a game that has been played with few interruptions since 1904. 117 times Oklahoma has played football against Oklahoma State. It is a game that is near and dear to me and near and dear to all folks that live and breathe Oklahoma. And I don't just mean Oklahoma football. I mean, if you are from the state, you live in the state, you know somebody from the state, it doesn't matter that Oklahoma didn't beat that ass 91 times because that's what happened. It matters that we can't lose the game, right? It matters that Oklahoma State shows up. It matters that a dude can show up to the Bedlam basketball game with an orange long sleeve shirt on with black letter that says, punt it again, Bob. Because Stoops punted twice to Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill did what Tyreek Hill does with punts, okay? It means the world to us. It means the world to me. It's going to be at Stillwater this year, so... Live it up, folks. But my goodness, that game has been talked about leaving basically since Oklahoma decided to make the leap to the SEC. And Mike Gundy has not been shy about saying, hell, they ended it, not us. All right. Well, that being said, I need Oklahoma to go out with a win. Again, one in 91 times is not going to do much to change the winning percentage. But it will be the kind of thing that Oklahoma State fans will lord over Oklahoma fans for as long as I am alive. They are the kind of people that put up a national championship in 1945, knowing the Army was the best damn football team in America in 1945. But that's who they are. That's what they do. What do you think they will do with a bona fide win against the Oklahoma Sooners on the way out? My goodness. Last thing that I'm really excited for this season, storyline I'm going to be watching all year, can Caleb Williams become just the second player in the 154-year history of this sport to win the Heisman Trophy twice? The Heisman voters are slaves to tradition, okay? They resist change. They do not like giving away the stiff-arm trophy to the same man, and they sure as hell don't like doing it to the same man after a year like last year when he didn't even make the college football playoff. You want the best player on the best team in America to win that trophy. And I think that's what's going to take 
for Caleb Williams to win it a second time. Ten, uh, second time. USC is just going to have to be one of those teams. Because if it's not, I'm looking at two players in FBS last year who threw for 4,000 yards, 35 pass TDs, and 10 or fewer interceptions. One of them is Caleb Williams. The other one's due to North Carolina named Drake May. Now, the thing that Drake May has working against him that Caleb Williams is not is a new offensive coordinator, right? Talk about Clint Brewster a little bit, but Chip Lindsey's dude going to be calling the plays, right? You need it to work, and you need it to come together in a very, very short amount of time because South Carolina ain't no easy win, and that's who you open it against, all right? It ain't no San Jose State. No disrespect, San Jose State, but South Carolina knocked off both Clemson and Tennessee, and as far as I'm concerned, should put the 2022 Orange Bowl trophy in their trophy cabinet because they beat them both. So if one Caleb Williams gets caught slipping, if Drake Wade comes out of the gate, then we got a Heisman race. But until then, best player in the sport is down there at South Central. Okay? All right. Now, let's get to my college football major awards predictions for 2023. I talked about the Heisman. I picked Caleb Williams for that. We'll get to that a little bit later, but I want to start with coach of the year here. And I got Nick Saban as my pick to win coach of the year in 2023. Nick Saban hasn't won a consensus coach of the year award since 2008 when he won football writers association of America's Eddie Robinson coach of the year award, which is the one that I vote in the one that I really care the most about because coach Rob means the world to me means the world to Black America and HBCUs, and it also means the world to me that the FWAA chose to na name the award after him. Now, much of Nick Saban winning this award comes down to exceeding expectations at Alabama. And frankly, he has not exceeded expectations at Alabama, except for a handful of times, one of those being 2008, right? You show up in the Sugar Bowl, it doesn't matter that Utah beat you to go undefeated, didn't get to claim the national championship. It means that you turned 2016 that was sorry into a winner by 2008, and then we know what it's been since 2009 at Alabama. This year, we're talking about turning over both the coordinators, the most unheralded starting quarterback at Alabama since Cooper Bateman, no matter who wins the job, and looking at an LSU team that beats you, and people expect to beat you again. After you lost to Tennessee for the first time since I was a high school senior, people are also looking at Nick Saban going, a little long in the tooth, thank you, Nick. How long are you going to keep this up? Hey, man, I don't know that you get very far betting against Nick Saban, just like I don't know you get very far betting against Deion Sanders. But people are doing it, and that's why I think he will exceed their expectations and end up getting this thing right. Once again, I said it earlier this week, I'll say it again. There's only been one coach in the SEC West to double up Nick Saban in back-to-back -back years. And that dude is serendipitously at Auburn now. Two freeze, Ole Miss, 2014-2015. It don't happen often enough, right, for me to expect that LSU's going to be able to do it. Now, Harold Perkins is a monster. Talk about him in a bit. Jaden Daniels can go. Talk about him in a bit. Malik Neighbors is a man. Talk about him in a bit. But right now, I think it's going to be Nick Saban to come out on top. And I would love to see the man get another Coach of the Year award because – he is the best coach ever in the sport that I love the most. And you know how much I love talking about Nick Saban because Nick Saban got folks down at LSU on the program. And people love Nick Saban so much that even after he went to Alabama, they voted him into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. And he was shocked because he didn't know that Louisiana would do that for him. But that's what he means. 
as nasty as he can seem to most, his players love him. His parents love him. He wins football games. And every time I see there is a wrong move to make, he makes the right one. Pulling for Nick Saban this year. All right, my offense player of the year prediction. It's kind of like my Heisman prediction, right? The Heisman is a quarterback running back award. Offensive, it's real hard for a wide receiver to win that award, let alone a tight end. So I'm going with Kayla Williams here, right? It's not just what he did last year. It's how he does it. It's he is a magician back there, looks dead to rights, Houdini and that of stuff. He also does it with attitude, which I think is a defining characteristic for the players that we really love in this sport. Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow. You think about the guys that you remember. You remember swag. You remember I'm the best thing walking. And that is how that dude goes about his business. But to win that thing, he's going to have to win a Pac-12 championship. He's going to have to get USC into the college football playoff for the first time in school history. And he's going to have to do it bigger and better than he did last year. And 4,500 yards, 50-plus TDs, four interceptions, that's going to be difficult. But if there is a player who can do it at the level that we're talking about, it is Caleb Williams. Also would give Lincoln Riley a fourth Heisman winner, which would so tie him with Notre Dame head coach Frank Lee, uh, Leahy excuse me, and Nick Saban. By the way, Alabama ain't had no Heisman winners before Nick Saban got there. <laughs> and now he got one at quarterback. He, <laughs> he got, he, excuse me, he got one at running back. He got one at wide receiver. Let me see. I'm, I'm counting him down. Oh, LSU. I got to go back to LSU. Nah, I'm messing myself already, up already. So we'll stick to just the four that he's had, okay? And we'll go with Caven for Caleb. Trending hashtag, what do you think? Because Jim Nagy said we need to come up with something for Caleb because we came up with something last year. To, uh, what were we tanking for Tua in 2017 going 2018, right? Where we know who the best player is. What were they doing for Trevor? Tanking for Trevor, right? Caven for Caleb. We'll see how it goes for him. Defensive player of the year. I'm going to go with Harold Perkins. Now, I got a bit in here about JT2 and Maloal at Ohio State because what he did against number 10 Penn State, like two sacks, six tackles, you know, two interceptions, one forced fumble. But what Harold Perkins doing against Arkansas is ridiculous. Like, I just – the man was a wrecking crew by himself. And not for nothing, but Arkansas wins that game if Harold Perkins does not go seek and destroy anything wearing red that day. And that was quite quite literally the one of the best – performances that we'd seen from a defensive player all year alongside JT Tui Malo out. But what JT did was, well, the first that we'd seen in the 21st century. Now we're talking about Perkins here because I looked at what he did the rest of the season compared to what JT Tui Malo out did the rest of the season. And it's not close, right? Like last year, JT Tui Malo out finished with 10 and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Okay. Did a lot of work against Penn state that one game. Last year, Harold Perkins, as a true freshman, 72 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, four forced fumbles, three passes defended, and a pick. That ain't too far from the kind of line he would need to put together to secure the Nagurski and Bednarik awards and the Buckets award, right? Getting all three of them. Somehow, uh, they, they robbed my man, David Collins, of the Buckets award, but you know what? It's fine. It's whatever. Harold Perkins is going to LSU, so he ain't got the Tulsa benefit working for him. Benefit in air quotes there. Now, I want to get to the Broyles Award where it's special to me, and I asked for this one. I got a vote this year. I'm very proud to have a vote uh, for the Broyles Award this year. I 
care so much about the rising stars in this sport. We do a diamond in the rough segment. I put a lot of thought into assistants that I think are going to be the next head coaches and the next, next stars of our sport, right? Like talking about Lincoln Riley when he was at East Carolina. That's how far it goes back for me. I talk about Brian Hartline until I'm blue in the face. So when we talk about the Broyles Award, I'm looking at Sean Lewis at Colorado as my pick here. And the reason I'm doing it is because, once again, it's about exceeding expectations. Garrett Riley won the Broyles Award because didn't nobody expect Texas Christian to be good in 2022. They were 5-7 and seven in 2021. He took the second-string quarterback and turned him into a Heisman finalist. Sean Lewis can do that with what was the best HBCU quarterback and one of the best FCS quarterbacks and one of the best quarterbacks in the sport, Shadour Sanders, this year. The offense is going to be volatile. It's going to be explosive. It's going to be fast. It has been compared to riding a bicycle down a volcano as it is erupting. Being elite problem solvers on the fly. Staying cool under fire. You don't have a fight or a flight mechanism. You only have a fight mechanism. I think that's how Sean Lewis is built, and he knows what he's up against. He hears me talking about him. He hears them over there discounting him. I'm fired up to see what he got going over and over there. And I would like nothing more than to see one of those dudes from Colorado step up in a big way, whether it be him or Charles Kelly, to help lead that program to something that, well, they haven't experienced in a quite a very long time. Okay. Let's go from my college football playoff major awards predictions to the top five newcomers in 2023. So we're going to go from five to one here. But before we get to that, I want to add here, you're not going to see Oklahoma linebacker Dayson McCullough or wide receiver Andrew Anthony. Both of those guys are Sooners, mostly because I don't think that they could have the biggest impact as the guys that I put on the list. But know that I, I noticed that Dayson McCullough is playing linebacker at a cheetah spot at Oklahoma. I also noticed that a dude with wheels that can take the top off the defense and knows what it means to be in a college football playoff, let alone win a conference championship at Andrew Anthony, it's out there lined up on the numbers. Okay. So at number five on the list, I have Nebraska quarterback Jeff Sims. The reason I put Sims on those lists ahead of these other guys is because I believe he has the talent to do more at Nebraska and be responsible for more at Nebraska than anybody else anywhere other than the four guys I got ahead of him. He's got the talent and the goods to be really, really great at Nebraska. He can spin it. He can move around. He's going to be in an offense with Marcus Satterfield asking him to do only the things he's good at. He's got a year to get this thing right. But he was so good in the spring, uh, excuse me, in spring practice that he ran off another starting quarterback. It's not just that Casey Thompson was the starting quarterback at Nebraska. It's that Casey Thompson is now the starting quarterback at Florida Atlantic after having once been a starting quarterback at Texas. I'm actually very excited to see what Casey Thompson and Tom Herman can do in round two down there in Boca Raton. But Jeff Sims is my guy because if he gets Nebraska to bowling, they're going to throw that man a biggest party. Don't nobody love their Nebraska football like the folks down in Lincoln. Matter of fact, I would say Nebraska's Love for its football team is only rivaled by Oklahoma and Arkansas because that's all we got. You wear our entire heart. And if you go out there and fight for us and win for us, we will build you a damn statue. I know that because we got this thing called Heisman Park at Oklahoma 
and all of the the killer bees at Oklahoma got statues. Bob, Bud, Barry, Benny, hell, Baker, Kyler. We keep going. Bradford, White. He can do that for them at Nebraska. Number four on the list, another quarterback, Wisconsin transfer, Tanner Mordecai. Another guy that I have been following for quite some time. I mean, I remember going down to Waco Midway to see Tanner Mordecai play because that dude was not scared of Spencer Rattler coming to Oklahoma. He was going to come too. Ends up not necessarily getting an opportunity to be the starter at OU. Goes down to Southern Methodist and puts people to the woodshed, okay? It's not just that he can sling it. It's that he can run around with it. I also love that the air raid is coming to Wisconsin, another team built not unlike Nebraska. We are the only FBS program in the state, and we act like it. Now, you know about the running pedigree, the offensive line pedigree. Now you get to marry that with a guy that could spin it and is probably going to go for 3,500, 4,000 yards if the offense is rolling like I think it is, and you're going to see some new records set at Wisconsin in school history. Number three on the list, Colorado all-purpose, all-everything Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter has an opportunity to go down as the best Colorado football player this side of Slash. But uninitiated, that is Cordell Stewart, okay? The man who was so good that they wanted to play him everywhere and settled on quarterback. Beforehand, we talked about Rashad Salam. You know what I'm saying? We talked about some dudes in the 90s. I remember Michael Westbrook going up over Ty Law's dead body. That's what Travis Hunter's capable of. He can be that dude for you on the offensive side. He can be that dude for you on the defensive side. And if you watch even a little bit of the Celebration Bowl last year, you'll see that in winning time, when they had to have six, Coach Prime put the ball in his son's hands, and his son said, hey, Travis, you're going to be down there open somewhere, right? And Travis said, I got you, fam. And came down with one of the most spectacular catches in a clutch moment that anybody had been able to catch all year. Poor tight end, couldn't catch the ball, two-point conversion, they lost the game. But you get what I'm saying here. Travis Hunter has the goods, which leads me to number two on the list. Colorado quarterback, Shadour Sanders. I have said it once. I will continue to say it again. There were three players who passed for 3,500 yards more, 40 TDs more, six fewer INTs across FBS and FCS. One of them is the Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. One of them is the number two overall pick in the NFL draft, C.J. Stroud. And the other one is that cat, Shadour Sanders, who just moves differently. I have made it my business to know what Colorado's business is. And I can tell you, man, Shadour moves like y'all talk about Marvin Harrison moving. Quietly, with purpose, looking to do work, looking to work toward winning football games. His focus is singular. He does not care about anything else other than winning football games. The kind of guy that was invited to the Manning Academy and went to his father and said, Dad, I don't think I could go. Why? Because it's going to take me away from two days of summer workouts. Hello? I can get behind a dude that's got talent. It's much easier for me to get behind a guy that knows what it means to run up the rough side of the mountain, and that is Shadour Sanders. Number one on the list for me, get to see him play tomorrow. Notre Dame quarterback, Sam Hartman, which quite literally is the reason that I wanted to do this list in the first place. 
I haven't had a whole lot of opportunities to go talk about this cat since he got to Notre Dame. But I'm going to put it out here as, as succinctly as I can. He is the best quarterback Notre Dame has ever had. And he might be the best quarterback that they do ever have. Like, it's Brady Quinn and him at this point, And the dude ain't played a down in Notre Dame football. And the reason I can say that is because Sam Hartman has records for ACC most touchdowns. He passed 3,738 and 12 in 2022. 2021, 4,239 and 14. He's putting together some gaudy numbers. And this is after you basically had to sit the bench behind store brand Cam Newton, a.k.a. Jamie Newman, who I really love watch play at Wake Forest. But it's also Wake Forest. Throwing passes to Birmingham Stallion tight end Sage Surratt, among others. I'm telling y'all, man, USFL got some dudes. Y'all want to talk about spring football, and then you wind up seeing him in your preseason games, see him on your 53-man roster. He was throwing at those kind of cats, and that's really going to be what it's about for him at Notre Dame. Can Jared Parker find him another one of them cats to throw it to? And all he needs is one, and I'm going to lay that out for you because I think this is the most interesting part about watching Notre Dame play football over the next, well, non-conference uh, slate, right? Especially when they get up to Ohio State. Parker put together a tight end that rivals the best tight ends ever at Notre Dame, which stand a lot. Michael Mayer was that dude. But we're also talking about a dude that was on the levels of Tyler Eifert, on the levels of Kyle Rudolph, right? We also know that Parker was off its coordinator at West Virginia when Letty Brown was rushing for 1,000 yards and Bryce Ford Wheaton was catching all those passes when Winston Wright was doing his job. We also are talking about a guy who was wide receiver coach at Penn State when KJ Hamler was catching passes. Okay. We're also talking about a dude at Marshall who put together quietly one of the coolest offenses that I had seen. So take it back to 2012. Tommy Schuler had set the uh, led the nation in catches and set the record at Marshall for catches with 110. So on top of all of that, Passing game averaged 365 yards a game. Rakeem Cato, uh, Cato had 4,200 yards passing. All of this is basically going, hey, we're going to isolate one-on-one and we're going to throw the ball to that dude. Now, if, you, if it sounds like I'm making the offense built around what Sam Hartman can do with one other guy, it's probably because I am. Not to say that he won't spread the ball. Not to say that he can't spread the ball. But if one guy distinguishes himself as the jugs machine, that's who's going to get the ball. Right. And I take it to guys like uh, Andy Isabella at UMass when he was doing the damn thing. I could take it to other guys like Jordan Addison at Pitt when he was doing the damn thing. You only needed one. You only need one. I'm going to be curious to find out which one it is. And it's not as if Audric Estime is not going to be getting the ball. You understand what I'm saying here is Sam Hartman doesn't need a lot of targets. He just needs one that is sure handed and they'll move the ball appropriately down the, uh, the football field. So. You're going to have to make like Michaela Moron, a Royal Enfield GT Continental in Road America and send it if you want to do more than just show up against Ohio State. You're going to have to lay out for it. I'm going to need to see you pin it into the corner. But I think with Sam Hartman at quarterback, they can do it. And the reason I know that is because Tyler Buckner had them in striking distance last year against a team that made the college football playoff. And all anybody was talking about last year is how Drew Pine was not necessarily the guy. Also, shout out to Jaden Rashada, who ended up winning the job at Arizona State on Tuesday. But to get my point here, they fixed what was broken on the offense. Now, can they put it all together and see if they can't get themselves back into a New Year's Six Bowl? I'll be excited to see what that looks like and how that happens. All right. 
that is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show, our final show before we talk in football on Wednesday. We're coming back with our live show on Saturday. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. The slate is the slate, but we all going to be up watching Florida State LSU, and we're going to get these rankings in, and we're going to have us a damn good time here on the number one college football show for a third consecutive year. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Karaji. Damn it, RJ. Get this woman's name right. Our leads of screening are Torn Westfall and Jack Coakley. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all next week for football on the menu. Doses.